quiz time. Yay! All right. Thanks, Chloe, for reading. Uh, hi, I'm Kang. I lead the Year 12 boys, the Year 12, who have just finished their exams and are about to head into post-school life. <laughs> you can stop clapping yourself now, John. <laughs> um, and so I'm really excited to be up here um, to be uh, talking with you all about rest and specifically what rest looks like in a gospel-shaped life. That is uh, a life that is in all in all aspects, transformed by the good news of Jesus. And so uh, I'd love to pose a question to you. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Raise your hand uh, if you've been awake for longer than 24 hours, if you've pulled an all-nighter. All right. And I'm trying to find the person who's been awake the longest. And this isn't a time to boast. It's just facts, you know. Uh, what about 48 hours? Two all-nighters, anyone? Okay, Josh and Ben tentatively. Oh, okay. Do we have a story? It was fine. Okay. So I had like an 18 hour flight and then I couldn't sleep. Okay. And then I had like a bigger flight. Like, nice. Flight, so I did not sleep. Nice. That's pretty normal. Josh? I did 40 hour balance, but I wanted to eat, so I did it without sleep. <laughs> 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 Good. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think I know of someone who has gone without sleep uh, for longer than any of you, and that's because this guy, his name's Randy Gardner. He set the world record for the longest time without sleep. Uh, he set this world record in 1964, so it, it hasn't been broken since then. I don't know pretty much any record that hasn't been broken since the 1960s. Um, and he, he went without sleep uh, for 11 days, so 260 hours. Um, and he did this to, to be a part of a study uh, where they studied the effects of sleep deprivation. So what happens when you don't get enough sleep? And it turns out some pretty bad things happen. So uh, some of the things that happened to him was that he started having hallucinations. He started seeing things. Uh, he, he imagined that he was a, a famous football player. Although when you think about it, that's not that weird. Uh, I think I do that when I play soccer too. Um, he started uh, getting frustrated quite easily, which is also pretty relatable because we all know what it feels like to be a bit on edge uh, when we're tired. Uh, but one of the weirder ones is that he started imagining that street signs were people. He started imagining uh, paths to the forest from his bedroom. And on the last day, they asked him to start counting at 100 and down by seven each time, so like 100, uh, 93, 86. And when he got to 65, he just stopped because He'd forgotten what was happening. He'd just forgotten. And so, <laughs> I, I dare say that Randy Gardner is not a good model of rest for us to follow. Uh, there are some pretty bad things that happen when you don't get enough sleep. And I think sleep, and, and by extension rest, is such an important part of all of our lives because it takes up so much time in our lives. And, I'm, and so I'm excited today to help us think about rest in a gospel-shaped life. Uh, and I would love for you, as we think about rest today, um, to, to ask yourself this question and be thinking this question throughout the entire talk. Uh, what does rest look like in your life? And does it reflect your faith in Jesus? Does the way you rest reflect your faith in Jesus? Uh, let me pray. Uh, dear God, thank you for the opportunity to think about rest today. Uh, I pray that it would be your words coming out of my mouth today and not my own. Uh, I pray that you would be changing the hearts of uh, all of the youth here today um, to rest in a way that honours you. Amen. 
So I thought a good place for us to start looking at rest in the Bible would be probably the most obvious instance of rest in the Bible, uh, which is the this command of the Sabbath. Um, the command of the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are a set of ten rules or laws that God gave uh, to his people in the Old Testament, the Israelites. And he, uh, the Ten Commandments are in the Bible uh, in two places, the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy. So let's have a look at what the book of Exodus says about the Sabbath. It reads, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or fam- male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a day where you, you don't do any work. And it's, it's not just that you don't do any work, it's you don't do the work that you did in the other six days. And it's not just for you, it's for your kids, it's for your servants, it's for your animals, it's for people who you might not expect to, uh, for this to apply to. And it's even for people who don't belong in your culture, for foreigners. And it's not just rest for the sake of rest. It's not just rest even for physical rest. It's rest to the Lord your God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the purpose of this rest is to worship uh, God and to glorify God. Uh, but the Sabbath is, is a law for the Israelites. It, it's not necessarily a law for us. This was written in the Old Testament. And not everything in the Old Testament applies directly to us. And the reason that is, is because things changed when Jesus came. Jesus was the Son of God, and I guess when the Son of God comes to earth, things tend to change. And so we figure out what's changed by looking at what the Bible says, and particularly what Jesus says in it. Uh, So if we go to Matthew 12, which is part of what Chloe read out for us before, uh, it says, At that time, when Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So uh, the Pharisees are a group of Jews uh, who who are God's people before Jesus' time. And and they love the law. They love putting the law first above all things else, all everything else. Uh, And so when they see Jesus and his disciples picking heads of grain, they're like, actually, you're not allowed to do that. That's harvesting. You're not allowed to do something that, that you do on the other six days. But Jesus goes on to say, uh, there are people in the Old Testament, David and the priests, who did things that weren't quite exactly in the letter of the law. And then he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus flips everything on its head. He says, actually, the Sabbath is not about keeping the law. The law is not the most important thing. There is something greater than the law. There is something greater than the sacred temple that you, that you want to just keep, uh, keep so, so strictly. And, and we have to remember that this, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. And He is the Lord of, Lord of the Sabbath. And so He has the authority to say, actually... Your understanding of the Sabbath is not right. Fortunately, we we have uh, a few different accounts of 
Jesus' life in the Bible. We call them Gospels, and Matthew is one of them, but there's another one called the Book of Mark. And they kind of often cover similar stories because it's the same life of Jesus. And so in the equivalent account uh, in Mark, uh, Jesus, uh, or Mark captures uh, something that Jesus says that Matthew doesn't. And this is what he says. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus says, the Sabbath isn't meant to stop you from eating. The Sabbath isn't meant to stop you from doing helpful things. But it's for you. It's made for you. It's good for you. But how is the Sabbath good for us? Well, I think for us to figure that out, uh, uh, we need to understand the Sabbath a bit better. So let's go back to the Old Testament uh, in, in fact, let's go back to what we were just looking at before uh, in, in Exodus, and we'll also look at Deuteronomy. Uh, and actually, when I was looking at uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy, I saw a, a pattern in the, in the statements of uh, the commandments. So if you go to the next slide. The pattern I found was that in both Exodus, Exodus and Deuteronomy, they list the command. So the command is the same, basically exactly the same across Exodus and Deuteronomy. It's the, the entire Israelite community must stop their regular work on the seventh day and worship God. But following the command, that in Exodus and Deuteronomy, there's a reason for the command. And we know it's a reason because it says for or, or therefore. And so in Exodus, uh, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, actually, there's two, there's two different reasons, one, one in each. And so in Exodus, it says... As the reason for the Sabbath command, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the reason for the Sabbath given here is creation. That God, when he created the heavens and the earth in the beginning of the Bible, he created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and then he marked, or, or, or he he said that, or he blessed the seventh day as good and holy. And if God models rest as good and blessed, then, then how, sh how much more should we also follow that model? So the Sabbath is good because God models rest in creation. In Deuteronomy 5, it says as a reason for the Sabbath, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the reason for the Sabbath is that the rest that they get from the Sabbath reminds them that they, were, that they the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt and that God saved them from slavery in Egypt. And we see this in Exodus, in the book of Exodus, where we see the story of the Israelites who are just so dependent on God. They, they get saved by God through plagues, through the Passover, through the parting of the Red Sea, through the manna, the miracles in the desert, where they just wouldn't have been able to do any of that without God's clear power in a way that is just so foreign to us these days in a, in a, in a world where things have to be repeatable and consistent to be true. And so I think what Deuteronomy is saying is that rest, the, the Sabbath rest, is there to remind us and to give us a right perspective of our dependence on God. Uh, if, if I can make this uh, a bit easier to understand in the context of today, uh, imagine if you're really worried about 
uh, your next assignment or exam, and I, and I promise you that one day you will be worried about something. Uh, it can be really tempting to skip church. It can be really tempting to focus on yourself and neglect others, neglect your faith even. Knowing this truth that God gives us rest for our good and to remind us to depend on him and to worship him. Knowing that could look like making sure you read your Bible and worship him in that way. And making sure you go to church, even in the midst of your stress, and trusting God for his provision, depending on him for his provision. And this applies to uh, all sorts of stressful situations. Uh, At some point, you just have to trust God and know that he is so much more powerful than you. And that, that there's, sometimes there's just nothing that you can do. So, so you, you don't have to rely on your own handiwork. So now that we've seen uh, a picture or, or gotten a good idea of uh, the goodness of rest, I also want to touch on the other side of the equation. Uh, that is, if rest is good, then why can't we rest all the time? Uh, now, I just want to t- touch on this briefly because Hugh last week talked uh, well about uh, the, the gospel bringing significance to our work. Uh, and so I just want to share this passage from 2 Thessalonians uh, where Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica and he's warning them against people who rest too much. Uh, Paul says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul is talking about people who rest too much, people who are idle, people who do things for their own pleasure, and people who do things that are, that are disruptive, they're not for the benefit of others. Nothing useful comes out of what they do. And if nothing come, useful comes out of what you do, then you're burdening others and you're not living according to the teaching that you received. And that's because there is value in work. Uh, now, that's basically all I want to say about that. Um, but just to clarify, I'm using work here as, as something useful coming out of what you do. And so this includes secular work, this includes full-time ministry, this includes uh, raising a family, all of these uh, have really useful things coming out of what you do. Now, in between these two extremes that I've given you, the goodness of rest and and not resting too much, uh, the Bible doesn't really give us one clear formula for rest. Like many things in life, in fact, like most things in life, it's a decision that we need to make for ourselves using our God-given wisdom and judgment. And and that doesn't mean that uh, we just make our decision blindly. It means that that we need to look in the Bible, not for uh, specific situations and specific things that it says, not for specific things that apply directly to our situation, but... For, for more holistic views on how to make decisions. And so my aim today in this talk uh, is to give you a way to think about uh, how to make decisions about rest uh, in your life. And, and I want to give you the tools to be able to do this. And so my last tool that I want to uh, leave you with today is, is a pair of glasses, uh, and like a pair of spectacles. And, and I'll explain a bit more after we read our last passage. And so Chloe read out for us today uh, Matthew 11... 
where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, there's more to rest than just the physical goodness. There's more to rest than just physical rest. There's rest for your souls. And who's it for? It's not just for the physically tired. It's not just for the physically weary and burdened. But we know that Jesus is the Jesus who earns our salvation by dying on the cross and being punished in our place for our sins. And Jesus is saying here that the rest that he's going to give us is rest from the burden of earning our own righteousness. That we don't need to have a Sabbath rest that lasts one day out of seven, but we can have an ultimate future rest in heaven that lasts for all eternity. It's an ultimate future rest that is free of suffering and free of all bad things. And it's an ultimate future rest that we can cling on to with a certain hope. We can cling on to this with a certain hope. And you know why? Because Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. That's a promise. And so when we think about making decisions in our life about when to rest, how to rest, I want you to keep your glasses on. I want you to keep your eternal glasses on. I want you to have the right perspective to make decisions knowing that you have an eternal future in heaven. And so when you make decisions, when you make decisions, I want you to, to know that the things that you do can last into eternity and some things that you do won't. And I, I love the analogy of glasses because I'm very intimately familiar with glasses. Uh, I've worn glasses basically all my life and, and I can't, I can basically not see with my, without my glasses. Um, so if you're ever against me in a 1v1 fight to the death, my weakness is my eyesight. Um, but I know glasses, there's a lot of variety of glasses. You can go to the next slide, I like this, this slide. Um, because like the focus has to be on a specific point on your face where your eyes are. There's different directions of glasses, different powers. And, and if I need to see, if I need to make a decision about something, I, I don't need just any glasses. I need my glasses. I need the right glasses. And so when we go about making decisions, we can't just look through the lens of any social worldview. It has to be this eternal perspective of, of Jesus dying on the cross and earning us salvation. We need to have our eternal glasses on to be able to see, uh, to be able to see, and to be able to make the right decisions. And so, uh, when we come back to uh, the question I asked you to think about at the start, does the way you rest reflect your faith in Jesus? I'd love to re reframe that as how can you rest in a way that prepares you best for your ultimate future rest in heaven? Uh, let me repeat that. How can you rest? in a way that prepares you best for your ultimate future rest in heaven. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of you rest too much. In fact, all of you rest too much at certain points in time. And, and that's easy to see with eternal glasses on in hindsight because we're all lazy. We're all, we all choose things that are, that are better for us in the short term, but, but not in the long term. And so my challenge for you today is, is to be more intentional 
We know that rest is good, so choose when you need to rest. Choose to rest in a way that is, that is going to prepare you for your ultimate future rest. Choose to rest in a way that helps you live sustainably for God. Choose to rest in a way that helps you to enjoy God's creation. But be intentional about when not to rest as well. Next time, you're sitting on the couch and you're scrolling through Instagram. Why don't you message your friend and tell them to come to church or ask them to come to church? Or why don't you message your church friend and, and ask them or t- tell them that you're praying for them and obviously pray as well. Or if your friends ask you to hang out straight after school, why don't you, you tell them that you'll, you'll be a bit late because you need to help out around the house and honour your parents. I could come up with so many different examples of, of what this means and rest. There's so many places that rest plays out in our lives, uh, but they're all hard. And they're all hard because it's hard to choose something that is significant in the long term, but less pleasurable in the short term. And it's not something that's going to change for you overnight. I know it's not. But uh, my prayer for you is that having an eternal perspective, knowing that you have an ultimate future in heaven, will make you more and more excited every day to make decisions about rest that last into eternity. God made rest for your good, so let's rest intentionally in a way that honours Him and in a way that recognises our ultimate future rest in heaven.